0: So Mark 9, 33, you guys ready? Everybody ready to go? Yeah. Cool. So Mark 9, 33, that's Mark 10, 33, I got to turn the page. Mark 9, 33, here we go. They came to Capernaum, that's Jesus and his disciples. When he, that's Jesus, was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because in the way they had argued about who was the greatest, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he had placed among them, and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So remember this back a couple weeks ago. What Jesus says here is, is pretty shocking to his disciples. What he says is, if you want to be first, you actually have to be last. If you want to be great, you want to be fantastic, you want to make a difference in the world, you actually have to serve. And that's, that's just pretty shocking. It's pretty upside down from what, what we would normally think of. So that's what, that's what Jesus does in Mark 9.33. And then we go through, uh, Mark, uh, Jesus has some pretty strong things to say about cutting stuff off that causes you to sin. Remember that teaching a couple weeks ago, too? And then Jesus comes to uh, marriage and divorce, and Jesus talks about the establishment of marriage, how to protect it. And interestingly, Jesus talks in defense of women in a culture that, that did not view women as equal. Jesus speaks up. God himself speaks up on behalf of the rights of women, which is pretty amazing. And then we get to tonight's text in Mark 10, starting in verse 13, and Mark, and, and Mark records that Jesus turns his attention to children. So in Mark 10, 13, read along with me. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms placed his hands in them, and blessed them. So people, what we see in this, in this little section is people, we think moms, dads, parents, are bringing their children to Jesus for him uh, to just touch them. And, and why, we might ask. So what we have to remember is in this culture, kids don't have a very high survival rate. Um, there's multiple, multiple things going on. So even in the book of Mark, uh, if you can remember back, children are victims They're oppressed by demons. Jesus has to heal them just because of sickness. But also, uh, for the audience that Jesus is talking to, and for the audience that Mark is writing to, children are victims. Um, You may or may not know this, but we know from history books that dads, heads of households in the Roman Empire, had the right of life or death over their kids. So a child could be born, and the dad could decide right then and there, born child, whether or not he wanted to keep it. Um, we have these little inscriptions where uh, the dad will say, I'm going away on a trip. If you give birth to a boy, keep it. If not, expose her. And exposing would be just leaving the child out on a, on a mountainside, either for a wolf to eat it or just for a child to die of exposure. So it's brutal. People don't really value children. And, and a dad could just decide, no, I, I don't want that child. So we have that. But also we know that six out of every ten kids... Will die before the age of 16 during this time. 60%. Half won't even make it to age 12. So, what we can't see in this thing, in this little episode, is parents like bringing their kids to sit on Santa's lap. You know, oh, it's super joyful and Christmas is going on. The picture is actually of desperate parents, the pictures of peasant women holding babies out, many of whom will be dead within the year, holding them out just for Jesus to touch them. These are desperate parents coming to Jesus because he's not just a normal teacher. People have have begun to talk about, people have begun to hear about, this guy's doing healings, he's saying crazy stuff, he's saying he speaks on behalf of God. He's not just a normal teacher. He's a healer. He's a prophet. He's something more. But we read in verse 13 that the the disciples rebuked them. The disciples were turning people away. So this is crazy, because as we just read in Mark 9, Jesus tells his disciples, welcome children in my name. And then a page later, the disciples mess it up. And not only are they turning people away, but they're also missing the whole servant-hearted thing. On the one hand, we see disciples dropping the ball again. We see this all over the Gospel of Mark. and it's just kind of heartbreaking, because like, come on, guys, get it already. Like, Jesus just said it. But on the other hand, it's also really understandable that they would do this because of the cultural background. Um, culture viewed children as the bottom of the social ladder. Um, they didn't have any possessions. Nothing was theirs. Uh, anything they had was given to them. They had no status, no prestige. Yeah, parents loved their kids, but society as a whole didn't really value children. Um, it it's really interesting, the Aramaic word. So Aramaic is the language that Jesus would have grown up learning and speaking. And the, the Aramaic word for servant or slave is the same Aramaic word that they use for child because children were just really laborers until they became real people. It's kind of foreign to us because, I don't know, I've seen a lot of families and I know uh, growing up, there were, there were times where I as a child kind of was able to rule the family. It's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, some, some parents are laughing because we live in a culture that the kids are valued and sometimes kids, sometimes kids are even able to you know, lead. So this is kind of foreign to us. In this episode, Jesus is traveling, he's doing his thing, he's teaching, he's healing. And the disciples have the nerve to turn people away. And what we think is just simply because they don't want Jesus to be bothered. In their heads, children are important. Jesus doesn't have that much time, so they turn people away they think Jesus can't take the time to stop and deal with these unimportant people. And what they say, in effect, is get away. Jesus is too busy, and you're not important enough. In response to that, Jesus is indignant. I don't use the word indignant, so I had to look it up. <laughs> it's, he's mad. He's irate. He's really, really angry at what's going on. And we don't, we don't see that word used much in the New Testament at all, or, or uh, Jesus saying it a lot? And what it means is that Jesus is super mad about what's going on. He's mad that people are being turned away. Jesus is mad because his followers are turning away the very people that Jesus wants to welcome. He's mad because his followers are misrepresenting him. Jesus says back down in verse 14, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So so Jesus says another really shocking thing right here. He surprises everybody. What he says is the kingdom of God, which you might think belongs to the rich, to the powerful, to the good-looking, to the well-put-together, he says it actually belongs to such as these. And what he means is not that it just belongs to people under the age of 12. What he means is it belongs to people... uh, to anyone, to absolutely anyone who would come to him. It doesn't matter like how high, how low, powerful, unpowerful, regardless of status, regardless of, of prestige, regardless of authority. He's willing to welcome in even those considered weak and worthless. And Jesus is mad because his disciples are completely missing the point, and they're actually turning away people that he wants to welcome Jesus' followers are turning away people that he wants to, to bring in and bless. And I think that's a problem that uh, the church still struggles with today. And we have way more stratification, more, more, way more class structure than we want to admit. Uh, I would love to be able to say that I have never treated anyone differently because I don't think they're in the same social class as me. But I'm embarrassed to say that I, that I do do that. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, maybe, maybe you're like me. Um, I think sometimes in, in different levels of, of the social ladder, maybe it's based on uh, education, maybe it's based on culture, <clears throat> maybe it's based on language, maybe it's based on skin color, maybe it's based on citizenship status. And it's, it's almost surreal to admit, to stand up in front of like 300 people and say, I've done that, but I really don't think I'm alone in that. And I think what this text does to us, it shows us how Jesus responds to that sort of thing. He's indignant about it, he's mad about it. And I need forgiveness for that. And we were praying earlier and I prayed for forgiveness for that because I know I've done that. The disciples are pushing people away, saying, Jesus is too busy for you. You're not important enough. And Jesus' response, which is amazing, which makes me love Jesus so much more, is, guys, you've missed the point. Don't get in their way. The kingdom of God actually is open to anybody. High, low, rich, poor, powerful, weak. It's precisely to people like these little children that it belongs. And then Jesus goes on. He kind of adds this emphatic thing in verse 15, the truly. He says, truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Uh, I think as we read this, it's it's led to a lot of misunderstandings. This little verse, this kind of section, has led to to a lot of misunderstandings. Um, Or maybe not misunderstandings, but just kind of selling Jesus short on on the fullness of what he means. Because reading through commentaries and listening to teachings, what people talk about a lot is Okay, so children are humble, and children are joyful, they're eager, eager. they're never stressed about anything, so we need to be joyful, eager, humble, never stressed about anything, which I think is true, but there, how many people are parents? Raise your hands. Okay, a lot of you. Awesome. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes children aren't little angels, right? They're not always perfect little angels. Sometimes they can be whiny, sometimes they can be selfish, sometimes they can be disobedient, I, I probably was as a little kid, I'm assuming so. Um, you can call my mom and ask her. And when she listens to this, she'll probably laugh and then she'll probably cry because <laughs> it's true. I think it's absolutely true. Uh, what, what Jesus says is respond in childlike faith. Absolutely, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't need that. And you absolutely need to respond with the trust that a child would respond to a parent with. But also, I think what Jesus' point here, specifically in this section of Mark, is that children receive the kingdom because of what they lack, not because of what they have to offer. Jesus' point isn't, act with all the virtues of a child in order to receive this blessing from me. His point is, come like a child, empty-handed, receptive, without status, regardless of prestige, no credits, no clout, no claims, no power, Come like that, because we receive the kingdom, not make ourselves good enough or childlike enough to enter in. The word for receive is really interesting. It's the same word, uh, it can be translated welcome, but it's also the same word you would use to like, receive a package or receive uh, a gift. So this has nothing to do with the teaching, but I think it's funny, and I'm sharing a story from where I just was for the past five and a half weeks. So in the army, there's this really weird thing, if you get a package while you're on like training status, you have to do push-ups in order to receive it. So I think I only got, I got one package and one letter while I was there. So I only had to do a total of 30 push-ups. It's 20 push-ups for a package. One of the guys who was in our class was foolish enough to tell all of the kids in his youth group that he, that this is what happened. So the day that I left, he received, I think, 26 or 27 letters so they just keep naming off his name. So he did push-ups for a long time until he couldn't do push-ups anymore. Receiving a package, back in the text. The <laughs> moral of the story is, if you, that's the, here's the moral of that story. If you know someone, it's great to receive letters, but just don't send them a bunch of them. You could send them like emails and that sort of thing, because they don't have to do push-ups to receive emails. <laughs> we receive the kingdom like a gift. Jesus' statement here is pretty radical. Uh, It's radical to us, just like it was radical to the original audience, because what Jesus says is you don't have to, like, establish it by military force, which is what his listeners, what Israel would have expected at the time. What he says is, come like a child, dependent, full of expectation, trusting, empty-handed, receptive, not work your way up to it or prove yourself for it or establish it through warfare, but receive if you're new to new to Jesus or new to church or new to the Bible, this whole concept of kingdom of God can be really complicated. And it's a really huge subject, and I cannot explain it in four minutes or less. Um, and it's okay if you have questions. Please continue to have questions. The the structure of the Gospel of Mark is for these next five episodes in Jesus' daily life, he talks about the kingdom of God. So we're gonna hear more and more about it. But just in short, to jog our memories, the kingdom of God put simply, is where God's rule and reign is established. So we, we experience that in part here and now, but there's a lot of that that we are yet to experience. It's yet to be established in its fullness. It's, in, it's something to come in the future. In verse 16, Jesus takes the little children in his arms, he placed his hands in them, and he blessed them. So the, the parents come, just hoping for a touch, they're just hoping that Jesus will touch their kids because they know that he's a healer and that can happen. Remember this story back, oh, this was back in August, but now there's the woman who was bleeding for a while and I had to do that great teaching, if you remember that. There was some awkward moments in that whole thing. But all she had to do was reach out and t- touch the hem of his robe and she was healed. And so that's all these people are wanting. They just, wanna, just want a touch from Jesus because they know that, that healing comes from that. But Jesus goes one further Jesus wraps his arms around. That, that wording, it can be hugs them. That you could translate it hug. Jesus picks them up, he hugs them, and he blesses them. Blessing is kind of a foreign concept for us because most of the time when we say blessing, we just talk about the thing that you say before you eat food. But that's kind of a foreign concept to, to the people uh, Jesus is talking to. It's a foreign concept to the Bible of just that being the only thing blessing is. There's Old Testament examples of parents passing blessings along to their children. Think about... Um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the children of Israel, them all passing along blessings. Parents would bless their kids for protection, for health, for life, for flourishing, for God's mercy, for success. And Jesus does that here, not to these like, great-named people who were, who were down in, in history in Israel. He does that here to no name children. Not because they had done something great to earn this blessing, but simply because of who Jesus is. By doing this, Jesus' touch shows a tangible expression of God's love for the weak and discarded of society. That's kind of a shocking look at at God's kingdom. That's That's an interesting view into how God views it. The people unvalued, unloved, cast aside, held back by society, even they're able to receive the kingdom. It's, it doesn't matter how high, how low. All are able to receive it. Now, it's really encouraging because Jesus' disciples miss it. They totally misunderstand him. They totally mess it up. They even like, get Jesus raging mad at them. But Jesus doesn't just kind of throw his hands up and say, oh, you guys never get it. I'm walking away. I'm gonna start, I'm just gonna pick 12 more guys, 12 other fishermen, Jesus doesn't give up on them. He has grace. He has patience. He has forgiveness for them, which is encouraging for us because maybe you've messed up once or twice too. And Jesus doesn't just walk away from us. He's patient, forgiving, kind. But it's also encouraging because Jesus welcomes the least expected. He shows us what God's heart is like. He gets angry at his disciples for turning people away and then he welcomes in the very people that were shunned away. Jesus yet again shows us that the way that he views the world is often so different than the way that you and I view the world. What impresses us does not impress him. What we value is often so off the mark from what he values. Now, we live in a different culture, in a different time, in a different place, but I think that this text has a lot to say for you and me, and I think a lot of practical applications come out of it. Three that I just want to talk about as we close out. First is that if children matter in the kingdom, then children matter in the church. So Jesus says in in Mark 9 and then he says in Mark 10 clearly that children are to be valued, children are to be uh, brought to Jesus, and they're to be welcomed in his name. So I think on the one hand what that means for us, for sunset, is we continue to love kids well. Uh, there are dozens of people who pour hours upon hours of work into taking care of and teaching and loving and having fun with the kids here for this hour, hour and a half that we spend in this room. They're having tons of fun in those two rooms. And then once a month, they have these really cool games that they play where they get to throw angry birds at like castles and stuff. And they, and they get to learn about Jesus. They get to have fun and they get to learn about Jesus. So we wanna to continue to pour time and effort into loving kids well here at Sunset. And for us, for the rest of us who are currently not in those rooms, I wanna challenge you. Maybe you've never thought about serving with the kids. We always need the help. There's constantly a need. And especially if, you're, if you are parents and your kids benefit from every week and you benefit from it every week, maybe contemplate, pray about, think about serving once a month um, learning how to, to teach your kids, how to lead your kids spiritually, how to lead other kids spiritually in that structured way on Sundays. And I think that it might help us throughout the week of how to do that as well. Also, I think this whole loving uh, kids in the church, children matter in the church, uh, has to do with missional communities as well. Um, we, missional communities are the way that we live out being a family of missionary disciples here at Sunset. And as family, we wanna love kids, we wanna value kids, so we do that through missional communities, in missional communities, as we meet together for family times, but there's also specific missional communities or specific groups of people who are doing a great job of this. And uh, there's a group that just started about a month ago. They've been working hard for over a year now to establish something called Foster Parents Night Out, which is where foster parents can bring uh, their kids, They can uh, their background checked Volunteers who get to take care of kids for the night so foster parents can bring their kids in, drop them off, and they can go have a date night or just simply have a date, uh, just have a day off, have a night off. And they, they need more volunteers. There, there are plenty of ways that you can practically live out this whole children matter in the church thing. So maybe it's through your own Mishla community. Maybe it's through helping out with foster parents night out. Maybe it's through serving here. Maybe it's none of that. But... Simply, what we have to take out of this is that children need to matter to us. We can't just throw them in the other room and say, okay, you do your thing, we'll do all the important stuff in here. That's so backwards and so opposite from what Jesus teaches. Children matter, and how we raise up our kids matters. So if you're interested in serving with uh, kids here on Sundays, you can email sean at Jesuschurch.org, which it's S-E-A-N, the, I think it's the Irish spelling. But S-E-A-N, at ajesuschurch.org. Or if you're interested in doing Foster Parents Night Out, I can connect you to those leaders. And my email is mkarsh, with a K, at ajesuschurch.org. Secondly, how we come to Jesus matters. So Jesus talks about you have to receive the kingdom like a child. The temptation for those of us who aren't children is to think that we're entitled to something, that, that we deserve something from God. Jesus' warning is that you must receive the kingdom like a child. There's no other way. It's a really dangerous place to say, God, I've done all this for you. You owe me. I know I've said that. Maybe not externally, but definitely internally. God, I'm doing this for you. How could you let this bad stuff happen to me? That's a really dangerous place to be in because that's a sense of and that's a heart of and attitude of entitlement. But when we come to God to be with him, you know, as we were talking about this text uh, throughout the past week, and, you know, emails go back and forth, and we talk about, okay, what does Jesus actually mean in this? One of the things that stuck out is simply the nature of a child wanting to be with a parent or wanting to be with someone. So I was praying uh, this week and then praying this morning, like, okay, God, give me a story to kind of illustrate this. And the, the, the random thing that came to mind, well, two not random things, but two things that came to mind were, one, just on a personal level, um, I can remember, and this is really, really odd, but on, on, on Saturday or Sunday mornings, just wanting to be with my dad, and what I would do was, because I didn't have facial hair and I didn't have to shave every day to get rid of it, was I was just fascinated my, by my dad's facial hair, so I would just run in, and they'd be like sitting in bed watching Saturday morning news or something, and I just always rub my hand on his on his face because I just wanted to be with my dad. And I think that that's the way that we come to Jesus. I mean, surely kids, parents, you can probably attest to this. Kids come to you wanting stuff, right? They want to live, they want food, you know, they want to be fed, they want clothing, they want—they probably don't want to be bathed, but maybe they do. Sometimes they put up a fight. But just coming to God to be with him is pretty, is pretty amazing that um, we get to do that, that God's presence is available to us. He doesn't owe that to us. But there's also some of us who, who, don't have that, who, do, who either don't have a dad or don't have that experience of having a good father. Um, so I was kind of praying about that too, God. Like, okay, God, show me something that, that makes sense there. And when I was in Uganda in 2010, uh, I got the chance to go to an orphanage in Kampala, which is uh, part of the organization that we partner with in Uganda has, has a bunch of orphanages, but they have one specifically in Kampala. And uh, I remember going there and there was a little boy named Jeremiah, didn't say a word, he didn't smile, he didn't laugh, he didn't cry, he didn't give me any expression whatsoever. But he just sat there and, he, and I did most of the playing with the toys cause I was trying to entertain him and trying to get him to like, okay, smile, do something. And I was, as I was praying, it was just this afternoon. I was like, okay, God, show me something. I think that experience, there's something innate in a child, just want to be with, with someone. Children don't want to be alone. And I think that's part of what Jesus is getting at here is to become like a child wanting to be with God. Not expecting stuff out of him, not with a heart of entitlement, not expecting to deserve something from him, but just to be with him. Third is Jesus welcomes those who come to him. This may seem really obvious, but what I think we see from the story is that there are things, or there are voices, or there are people that try and keep us away from Jesus. Maybe it's some rude religious guy who's saying, "You're not important enough." Jesus is too busy for you, you're not good enough, you don't have the status, you don't, you don't have what it takes. Maybe that's some actual, like, physical, rude, religious guy who does that, but maybe it might be your own conscience, which I, I think for me, that's more often, ah, God's too busy, I don't know, maybe he doesn't really care about this situation. What we learn from this story is that Jesus is absolutely not too busy, and he's not he's not. Uh, He doesn't have too little time to deal with your little problem. They matter to him. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you is what Peter says about Jesus. Um, I've had a pretty crazy week. So I got back on Friday and uh, I'm moving this entire week. So I'm fully moved out of my old apartment. So in a week, moved out. Uh, On Wednesday, I got served a lawsuit for a car accident that happened two years ago, getting sued for... $225,000. $225,000. Then on Friday, when I pulled into the leasing office, um, and I'm signing the papers. Uh, somebody comes in and says, hey, is that car yours? Yeah, do you want me to move it? I said, no, somebody just hit it. Oh, great. It's not that bad. It's, it's a scrape, but it's definitely frustrating. And I'm moving, which is a super like you know, life-giving and enjoyable activity, which my parents-in-law-to-be were there, and it was awesome, and it made it 100 billion times better. But it's kind of been a crazy week. And, and really, I just need Jesus to pick me up, hug me, and bless me. That's really, I mean, the, the number one thing for me Takeaway. I wrote this down, I just need Jesus to hug me and bless me. So wherever you find yourself tonight in need of the hug, in need of the blessing, in need of that thing to come together, that thing you've been praying about, wherever you find yourself, Jesus welcomes you. In a crowd this big, um, I'm going to assume that there's at least one or two of you who are not completely sold out on who Jesus is or you're like, hey, I, you know, he's this interesting guy, but I'm not really sure uh, who he is or you know, what I'm supposed to, What I don't know why you're saying follow Jesus. All those questions, wherever you're at in your journey of following Jesus, you're 110% welcome here. Um, no matter your status, you are 100% welcome here. What you need to know if you're not sold out on Jesus yet um, it Maybe tonight's like the night that it clicks, like Jesus, Jesus wants someone to come to him like a child. I'm ready to come like a child. And maybe it's that easy. Maybe it clicks. Maybe it's been happening over several weeks. Maybe you're not there yet, and that's totally fine. You're totally welcome here. But God is in the business of welcoming people in who have nothing to offer him. So what you need to know is God is after you. God's pursuing you. God wants relationship with you. And there is a sense deep down that there's something off about you know, the way life is going God knows the deepest, darkest things, your deepest, darkest desires, wants, the things that you want to succeed in life. He also knows the things that, that you fail in. He, he knows the, the ways that you don't measure up. And he loves you in the face of that. That, that not measuring up, that sin, and that sin is a problem because that's the reason the whole world is out of whack. And that's that, that wedge that you feel driven between you and God. That's that sin, and that sin has to be dealt with. But like I said, and like this text shows us, God is in the business of welcoming people in who have absolutely nothing to offer him. So if that's you, if you kind of resonate with whatever I just said, when we, when we transition to this next little time, we're gonna pray together. And let me just encourage you to say that to God. So the word is really scary in the church because it's like, okay, I have to go in this little booth, and then I sit down. But the word confess just means to... Say out loud what's in here. Express what's on your heart. So let me just encourage you, when we pray, say all whatever you want to, say it to God. Uh, So I'm gonna, I think the proper response is just to come to God in this this stance of of, uh, wanting to receive, to wanna be with God. So I'm gonna invite the band back up. And then I'm gonna invite all of us to stand. So if you want, stand with me. You don't have to stand, but I'm going to invite you to stand. Everybody else is doing it. <laughs> but if, And if you don't want to pray, that's totally fine. Just observe. But we've done this before. Um, there's nothing magical, nothing special about uh, you know physical posture. But physical posture is, is really helpful because if it mirrors what we're trying to do inside or what's going on inside, then it just kind of helps the whole body work together. So... I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. We're gonna close our eyes and we're gonna, we're gonna extend our hands out like we'd be receiving a gift or something. Um, so as the band comes up, they'll make a little bit of sound, but we're gonna kind of leave it silent for a little bit. And I know that might be uncomfortable, but the encouragement is to just hear from God. Um, sometimes he speaks really loud and clear. Sometimes it's like pictures. Sometimes it's not at all. And wh- whatever happens, that's fine. And you can pray out loud. You can pray quietly. You can pray completely silently. So I'm gonna invite you, close your eyes with me. God, we come to you as a child, hopefully as a child, to receive from you. We wanna be with you, God. We wanna hear from you wherever we're at. We know that you welcome us. We know that you think, shockingly, you think that we're important. We don't come deserving of anything or entitled to anything. But God is our father. We wanna be with you. And I pray that you would please speak to us right now. So God, we respond. We respond in a lot of ways, um, either through prayer, uh, silently, out loud. We pray through singing. We respond to you in worship, singing. God, we want to respond with a lifestyle that has shifted to, to coming to you like a child. So I pray for the rest of tonight, God, that um, you would accept this response from us no matter what it is that you would draw near to us and be able to experience your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.